Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. That's the same local Catholic radio station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show for EWTN. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So I'm hanging out in paragraphs 1468 to 1470 of the Catechism, where it talks about the effects of the sacrament of confession. And there are a few of these that I think we talk about a lot. Uh, the forgiveness of sins, right? An anticipation right. of the final judgment. You sort of head off the judgment by repenting. Uh, you reconcile with the church. Uh, this is part of it uh, as well. A true spiritual resurrection. But right here in this first paragraph, it says something that I don't think we think about enough or talk about enough. It says here, penance with contrite heart and religious disposition, uh, when it's done that way, reconciliation, quote, is usually followed by peace and serenity of conscience with strong spiritual consolation. Uh, I think I, I think we know we got to confess because we got to fix a problem. I don't know that many of us remember that we got to confess because that's where true peace is. Well, we do because it's like anything else. Oftentimes, when we think of acts of penance, whether it's acts of self denial we do during Lent or the sacrament of reconciliation itself, we're, we often think of those as punishment. It's like, okay, for your penance, for your punishment, this is what we want you to do. That's oftentimes how we look at it. But that's really not what it is. What it really is, is it is medicine. And medicine, of course, attempts to uh, drive out the evil that's there. It tends to promote uh, a path for a new balance, a new equilibrium, a spiritual relationship, which we, we call a state of grace. You know, because when we think about it, when we sin and when we have all the things that go along with sin, an uneasy heart, uh, oftentimes anxiety, we have anger, all those kind of things that happen, that when we have that sense of compunction, of real sorrow, and that's when we go and see the doctor. And, of course, the real doctor is Jesus, and we go to there, and through, through the priest, we, we confess our sins, and in doing that, that becomes a medicine, not a punishment. And we often... We often forget that, that the purpose, again, of penance, of the sacrament, really, of penance or reconciliation, is healing. You know, it's not uh, it's not God punishing us for doing wrong. It's Him offering us the real medicine for healing. So, I mean, this is something that I, I think is so well captured in Psalm 32, and uh, I unfortunately only have the New International Version in front of me right now <laughs> in my stack of Bibles, uh, but uh, David says here, he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave. I, I think that those of us who have these weights on our soul really do feel them as burdens, right? They're like crushing our bones. We feel like we're groaning, uh, staring at the ceiling in the middle of the night. We feel the hand of the Lord heavy upon us. And this is this is a way to resolve that. Well, we do. And this is, again, this feeling that you're talking about is the gift of the Holy Spirit itself, that when we, we realize that we're not at peace, we realize the division in our heart, because what happens over time, and this is a real, this is a danger I think many have faced today, we become so accustomed to sin and so accustomed to doing things other than what God wants to do, we become numb to it. It's like anything else, it's like a regular, any other disease. You learn to live with a disease, but, uh, you know, if you have cancer, you have some type of degenerative thing, okay, yeah, but in the midst of all this, you, with sin, sin can always be conquered. Yeah, it's like 
some of us who refuse to go to the dentist, right? And no matter how bad the tooth hurts, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to sit in that chair. I don't want to get that schedule. Men in general, by the way, Father Rob, we're terrible about being like, yeah, you know what? I should see my doctor. You know, we just don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. That's right. But either because, one, we don't want to show weakness, or two, we're scared. I mean, we oftentimes mm-hmm. it's either it's our, it's our, our strength really hides our weakness. You know, well, I'm not going to do this because I'm a tough man. No, you're just a stupid fool because you're, too, you're not humble enough to recognize you need help or ask for directions or put whatever phrase you want to put in there. Yeah. I'm trying to find immediately uh, the uh, the passages in the Catechism, just a few paragraphs before what I just read, which is like, how can a doctor apply medicine if nobody lets him look at the wound? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, those of us who've had kids, you know, a kid goes and scrapes his knee and you want to put something on it and they won't take their hands off the thing so you can just look at it. Like, let me see. You know, a That's kid right. gets poked in the eye and I'm like, all right, let me see. And they won't move their hand. I'm like, is there even an eyeball still behind there? I can't even tell until yeah. you move your hand. That's right, and and that's uh, like I said, it's an act of trust. Uh, again, that God is not the one to come and punish us. But like I said, people oftentimes if they haven't been to confession for a while, or they had a, a priest who was a less than merciful confessor. We shall say they're scared to go. But once they realize, well, once they if they find a good confessor, or they trust the priest enough to to let that out then that's when they're going to find the healing and they're going to find the peace. I've seen people that once they've come up with this, whether it's a penance they're practicing, uh, a new type of medicine in their own prayer life, maybe increasing their prayer, or even go, going to the sacrament of penance to confess those sins, it's amazing. You, you, almost, you, can, you can see the burden being lifted when you give them the prayer of absolution. I mean, they just they breathe easier. You see, you see a better disposition in their eyes. You even sense a better disposition in their heart because that weight, which was um, was uh, crushing them, has been removed. Well, a 10-second encouragement. If we, let's say we got a big fish listening right now, someone who has not been since they were in second grade, and maybe a grown person with many years behind them. What would you say to invite them to open up to this reality and this peace? I would say you don't need to feel what you're feeling right now if you if you know what you've done wrong. Go to the priest, confess your sins, and receive God's mercy. And if you don't feel, if you still don't know that yet, pray for the gift of understanding and let the Lord show you that sickness. And then you can go get it diagnosed and get it healed. Good word from Father Rob Jack this morning. We'll be catching Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio this afternoon. Have a great day. You have a good day, Matt. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Donald Trump has easily defeated his main rival, Nikki Haley, in the Michigan Republican primary after winning in her home state of South Carolina last weekend. Trump has essentially at this point secured the GOP nomination, but Haley has vowed to stay in the race, arguing that both Trump and President Biden are unpopular among most Americans. President Biden, for his part, did win the Michigan Democratic primary, but A significant number of voters cast an uncommitted ballot to protest his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Pope Francis has revealed his monthly prayer intention for March. Throughout the next month, the Pope is inviting others to pray for the martyrs of our day, those who risk their lives for the gospel. The Holy Father said there will always be martyrs among us and added, he's been told there are more martyrs today than there were at the beginning of Christianity. 
The monthly prayer intention in February, which we still have another day, centered on the terminally ill and their families. The U.S. bishops are reiterating their support for faith-based ministries at the southern border as the Texas Attorney General seeks to shut one down. Bishop Kevin Rhodes, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, released a statement saying, quote, As the tragic situation along our border with Mexico increasingly poses challenges for American communities and vulnerable persons alike, we must especially preserve the freedom of Catholics and other people of faith to assist their communities and meet migrants' basic human needs, end quote. The bishops of Ireland are expressing concern over a proposed constitutional amendment on the family, which would define family as founded on marriage to include other durable relationships. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. In a statement released on Monday, the Irish bishops expressed their concerns over the proposed constitutional amendments, lamenting in particular that they would have the effect of abolishing all reference to motherhood in the Constitution. Regarding the First Amendment on the family, the Bishops' Conference remarked that the proposed new text diminishes the unique importance of the relationship between marriage and family in the eyes of society and state and is likely to lead to the weakening of the incentive for young people to marry. While marriage entails a public and legal commitment, they said, the term durable relationship is shrouded in legal uncertainty and is open to wide interpretation. With regards to the CARE amendment, the statement noted that the Irish Constitution already recognises and seeks to facilitate the choice of mothers who wish to care for the needs of the family and the home. Contrary to some recent commentary, they said, the Constitution emphatically does not state that a woman's place is in the home, neither does it excuse men of their duties to the home and family. According to the Irish bishops, the proposed amendment would leave unacknowledged the particular and incalculable societal contribution that mothers in the home have made and continue to make in Ireland. Concluding, the statement therefore reiterated that the role of mothers should continue to be cherished by the Irish constitution. I am Lisa Zengarini. Tornado warnings are going out across much of the Midwest. Millions in the Chicago area were under tornado warnings last night as severe storms pounded the region. Tornado warnings were also issued in southwest Michigan, where the National Weather Service was reporting 60-mile-per-hour winds and quarter-sized hail. In the Louisville area, forecasters have been warning of severe storms throughout the night. Meanwhile, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is issuing a disaster declaration due to ongoing wildfires in the state's panhandle. As of last evening, the Smokehouse Creek fire covered more than 250,000 acres and was 0% contained. The state is also battling a trio of other blazes with evacuation orders having been given in several counties. Russia says conflict will be inevitable if the West joins forces with Ukraine in the ongoing war. Yesterday, a Kremlin spokesperson said if Western countries put troops on the ground in Ukraine, it would lead to increased conflict, saying foreign leaders must consider what, quote, corresponds to their interests as well as the interests of citizens of their country. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. 
you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee and tea at S. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. It is a difficult thing to have an exact idea of one's goal, but it is likewise true that all of us must perfectly pinpoint the virtue we are aiming to acquire. However, if we cannot do this, we must not lose courage or get upset. We must get as close to the goal as possible, because even the saints did not succeed in doing any more than that. Only our Lord and the Virgin Most Holy fully succeeded. Never believe the praises of people. At the very best, what they say is flattery, even if they do not recognize it as such. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we head through this season of Lent. We continue an annual tradition with Gary Zimak of trying to give up worry for Lent. He's got a book by that very name, which you can find wherever fine Catholic books are sold, but also through his website, followingthetruth.com. He's been all over the United States of America uh, the past few lits, helping uh, to have discussions about this very thing at the parish level. Gary, where you been lately? Where are you going? Uh, Matt, right now, good morning, by the way. I am in Austin, Texas. We just wrapped up three-day give-up worries for Lent Parish Mission at uh, St. Albert the Great Parish. What a fantastic parish. What a great night. I'm headed home tomorrow, and then over the weekend, I'm on the road to Rock Springs, Wyoming, to, to continue yeah, continue helping people to give up worry for life. Worry is a thing, apparently, in all kinds of parts of America. So, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever—I mean, since you were in Texas, I feel okay bringing this up. You ever, you ever watch the show Friday Night Lights or the movie? Maybe, maybe not. Actually, I have not. I have to be honest. Okay. It was a— uh, it was supposed to be a football show, but it ended up being more of like a teen soap opera. But at any rate, the coach used to say to the team all the time, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And as I was looking at uh, today's verse from St. Paul's letter to the Romans that you wanted to talk about today, yeah. I, I was like, this sounds like that, except with a thousand percent more power behind it. So what's St. Paul saying to the Romans here? Yeah, we're looking at Romans twelve twelve today, Matt, and this is a great verse. And Paul writes this. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And, and this comes, uh, as you said, from Give Up Worry for Lent. This is one of the daily reflections. As we're in Lent, as we're trying to improve and move away from worry and follow the Lord more closely, surrender to His will, 
this is this is great advice because sometimes we think we have to do this on our own. I, I just have to do this. I have to fight through it. It's all me. But in reality, if we look at what Paul is saying here, rejoice, be patient, be constant in prayer. Three of the fruits of the Holy Spirit are joy, patience, and faithfulness. The Holy Spirit is the key to doing this, to helping us do this. And really, if we're trying to give up worry for Lent and fully surrender our lives to the Lord in all things, the Holy Spirit's help is key. So come Holy Spirit is a great prayer to remember and ask for that help. As we go through Lent, we shouldn't try to do it on our own. We should let the Holy Spirit help us. Yeah, you mentioned those fruits of the Spirit. Let's not forget that rejoicing in your hope. Hope is a theological virtue. I mean, Paul packed go. just about every single possible like Christian word into this <laughs> you know, ten, 10 word sentence. Uh, you know, yeah. but you and I have talked about this before. This last phrase, "Be constant in prayer," right. uh, is is where I think a lot of us get sort of bogged down. Like, what does that mean to be constant in prayer? And I I can't help but think about uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola when he discusses. You know, what do you do when you're in a time of spiritual desolation, a time when you're doing what you think are the right things, but you're not feeling, you know, the sense of, of like closeness to God, or maybe you're you're still in a bad mood, or or maybe you're just mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and, and one of his pieces of, of advice among many is don't change your prayer routine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're in those frustrating situations, if anything, stick to the rhythm of it. Stick to the constancy of it. Um and you know, I've 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 found that to be true. Like, if I only went to mass when I was like in a good mood and excited about going to mass, man, I don't know how many times I'd be going a year. Uh, not fifty-two, <laughs> plus the holy yeah. days of obligation. I'd be going when I felt like it, and who knows how I might feel? I don't even know how I'm going to feel until I wake up. Yeah, exactly. I can't tell you how many times I do that with my prayer life, with like you said, with going to mass, with with that, with a lot of things in life, but especially with the spiritual things, we don't always feel it. More often than not, I would say we don't feel it, or it, it's a decision, it's a choice. And and again, I'm going to go back to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to have that constancy when it comes to our faith. We we often don't even realize that the Spirit is helping us, but that is that is critical. Even when we don't feel it, especially when we don't feel it, never stop praying. And that's the way that's the way we grow spiritually, and that's one of the beauties of the uh, the the Lenten uh, journey. A lot of this isn't is, isn't always fun. It's it requires work. It requires uh, consistency and and some faithfulness, even when we don't feel like it. It's it's basically trying to rise above our feelings and do it anyway. And and when we do that, we're we're going to have that spiritual breakthrough that and that peace that we're looking for. You know what else requires consistency—you uh, know, I'm going to say that again because I can't even get the word out. It's so early. There you go. Man, it killed my vibe there. I was going to say, <laughs> you know what else requires consistency and faithfulness even if you don't feel like it? Literally everything else, right? Yeah. Literally yeah. everything else. <laughs> like, why would we think that the rules would be different in the spiritual life? It, yeah. That's required in the, in the world of parenting. It's required in the oh, word, yeah. world of the workplace. It's required in the world of athletics. It's required in the world of literally— Every thing that we do, right? Yeah, uh, you got to take yeah. care of your car, where you whether you feel like it or not, right? You got to do yeah. these things. You got to mow your grass at some point, whether you feel like it or not. Life is like this. Why would we think that the rules would be different in the life of prayer? 
Exactly. And I, can you imagine calling your boss up on the phone and saying, you know what, I, I just don't feel like coming into work today. We're not, not going to have I'm not a getting the emotional break. payoff uh, from a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my accounting gig. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's, that's exactly what life is. You know, when you look at our, the life of Jesus and who are we called to imitate? We're called to imitate Jesus. And during Lent, we're, we're really working to become more like him. It didn't feel good walking to Calvary, you know, and, and, and dying on that cross. And he's our role model, you know, but again, the, the Spirit helps us. The Spirit can help us. We do our part. Our part is to do it anyway, even when we don't feel like it. We do it out of love, and, and that's what love is. Love's not a feeling. There are, there are feelings associated with love at times, but really love is a choice. It's a decision to put the, the good of some, someone else first, and that's what love is. If we really love God, we're going to pray even when we don't feel like it. And there's going to be a big payoff to that. We're going to yeah. get that spiritual progress and that peace that we're all searching for. You know, and the Church has an interesting method, uh, you know, during this Lenten season, because there's the stuff that the Church asks us to give up, and then there's the stuff that we're uh, really sort of compelled and encouraged to pick to give up, right? right. So mm-hmm. we've got this thing—I mean, I could pick something really easy for myself, but I still got to do what the Church says on Fridays, right? Right, <laughs> in, right. In regard to meat. Uh, and so there is that balance, the things that I decide that I'm going to give up, and the things that I'm willing to submit my will to the Church— who tells me you need to take on this discipline right now? Uh, I mean, those things kind of have to be in balance, and, and and I hope at least that as each subsequent Lent comes along, I do a better job of harmonizing the spirit of my own sacrifice with the spirit of the sacrifice the Church is asking of me so that I can line those up better and they can all point towards Christ and His sacrifice. But that's a journey. That's a journey, man. It is, it is, and it's a, it's a process, just like giving up worry is a process, and I always tell people that this takes time. You, but as you grow closer to the Lord, Matt, you know this as well as I do, as you grow closer to Him and you get to know Him better and you realize what He's done for you and you begin to, 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 to appreciate his, his sacrifice more, then, then you want to do more for Him and you want to do more sacrifices. You, you're, you're willing to put in the time even when you don't feel it, because through faith, you still know he's there and he hears your prayers, and that's the key. That, that gift of faith that we receive when we're first baptized, that, that's important because that faith helps us to realize that, look, even though I don't feel the Lord's presence, even though I don't feel he's answering my prayers, I know through faith that he is. And that keeps us going even when the feelings come and go. You know what they say about baptism, man? Leaves a mark. Oh, that's yeah. For sure. <laughs> Well, Gary, thank you so much as always. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over, check out Give Up Worry for Lent from Gary, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Back after this, it's 14 Till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. 
Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. Amy Wilborn now joining us. Uh, you can find links to her work. She does some great blogging, and she's done a lot of great writing over the years. And you can find her link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Amy, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So you have posted, you post some great things for, for various feasts and liturgical seasons, and you've got some uh, great thoughts from Pope Paul VI about fasting. So uh, yeah. what was the context in which he made these comments? Well, it was uh, an encyclical, and I cannot quite pronounce the Latin name of it. It's no, don't the, worry. Most of us can't. <laughs> Penitemini. Um, it was written and produced in 1966, so if anybody wants to look it up, it should be very easy to find. And so what it was, it was at the close of the Second Vatican Council, and it was like this. It was his declaration of the, let's say, reform of the penitential practices of Catholics, um, and controversial, to say the least, still, right? Um, but I was very surprised last year when I went back and I actually read his document um, making these changes at how kind of profound it is and what a valiant attempt it is to connect you know, the practices of, pa- of fasting and abstinence, penitential practices of Catholics, to the de- to Scripture, tradition, to the life of Christ. You know, it was not just a, you know, a broom brought in to sweep things away that were unfashionable. It was, an, a, you know, a clear attempt to help Catholics deepen their penitential practice. Whether that worked or not, you know, history will and has told. History kind of already has told a little bit because (laughs) uh, a lot of people were like, oh, so uh, does this mean we get to eat meat on Fridays forever now? Right, right. And and so just in case, you know, some of your listeners don't have the deep history, you know, for fasting and abstinence has been a part of Catholic Christian practice since the beginning. It's a part of every religious practice, whether it's Buddhist, Hindus, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, whatever. It's a part of every religious practice. It's understood universally, uh, you know, uh, bodily mortification is understood as having spiritual effects, right? Everybody gets this. 
So in you know Christianity, since the beginning, certain days of the week, notably Wednesdays and Fridays in particular, have been designated as particular days of penitence, of penance. Um, and you know, those who were grow, grew up before the Vatican, Second Vatican Council knew, for example, that every Friday was a day of abstinence from meat. Every Friday, not just during Lent, but every Friday. What happened with this decision of Pope Paul VI and those involved in, in the decision was to retain Friday as a day of penance, a penitence, a penitential practice, but to kind of open it up to whatever you would, you know, feel that God was calling you to do in the name of penance. It maintained Lent, of course, Fridays during Lent as days of abstinence, as Ash Wednesday and Good Friday as days of fasting and abstinence. Now, what people may not know also is that before Vatican II, Every day of Lent was a day of sort of abstinence. You were only supposed to eat meat once a day, and your other meals during the day were supposed to be small, sort of like our definition of abstinence or fasting today. So this was a big change. You know, this was a big change that um, sort of took away this very important Catholic identifier, too, and people have criticized it in the years since for that, uh, what the Pope did was he left it up to every nation's bishops uh, groups in order, you know, to define exactly what these the shape of the you, you know, the ordinary Friday abstinence would look like. Um, you know, Lent was universal for everybody, but the. The, uh, the days of abstinence during the rest of the year was left up to every individual bishop's conference. And the United States bishop, to their credit, issued in the same year a really nice document about that. Again, in, you know, dispensing with the meat uh, abstinence, but encouraging Catholics to do some other form, any form of penitential action on Friday, very strongly maintaining Friday as a day of penitence. Now, of course. How does that work out in the real world? Hmm. You know, we well, all know. I can tell you how it worked out. Uh, by the time that I was coming along in 2004 and trying to enter the church, right, <laughs> I can tell right. you that the, the messaging that I was getting was a little bit confusing. It was like, oh, you know, people used to, you know, fast or meet on Fridays. But really, you know, nobody really does that anymore. That's not really a thing. Uh, also, um when it comes to Lent, it's not you don't really need to give anything up for Lent. The the important thing is to like you know take something on uh, that's, right. that's that's beautiful to take something on. Also, don't worry about confession. That's not like if it helps you, good. If not, no, don't worry about it. Like right. all these dominoes have kind of fallen <laughs> by the time that I showed up in the early two thousands. At least oh, yeah. at some I, of the places yeah. that I was inspecting entering the church. Right, and I remember I was we were discussing this online several years ago, and um, another blogger who was about my age, which is early sixties, recounted his memory of the when the Friday penitence or Friday abstinence was lifted. His he was living in a heavily Catholic neighborhood, and his family members and his parents and all their friends celebrated by having a steak cookout on Fridays. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the point was like missed, but again, if you go back to Paul the Sixth document, you find that he says over and over he says there is 
kind of no replacement for bodily mortification in Christian penance. It's a foundation because Christ, of course, uh, mortified his own human body for us for the sake of, you know, for our sins. And therefore, in imitation of him, which is what it means to be a disciple, which means what it means to be a Christian, that has to be a part of our penitential life. But, as he says, again, it should not be legalistic either. And that was kind of the point, was that, all right, guys, um, we need to be doing this, but let's revisit why we're doing this and make it deeper. But it gets translated, unfortunately, and tragically, too, into this minimalistic um, kind of understanding of it that's minimalistic in the wrong way. I think minimalism can be a good thing in that if we understand that what we are called to do is that we can do more than what we're called to do, minimalism is okay. But if we understand it as that's all we need to do, um, then... You know, that's missing the point entirely. Well, thanks so much, Amy Wellborn. Uh, and Anna Mitchell, I, I can't help but remember what Jesus says uh, when he talks about all the stuff that you're asked to do. Uh, in Luke 17, he says, uh, when you've done all the things that you're commanded, then mm-hmm. you should say, we have, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were asked to do. Like, yeah. the approach to the spiritual life, as Amy was saying, if it's just like, all right, what boxes do I have to check? It's like a kid who's how like, do I do the minimum? how many how yeah. many items do I have to pick up in my room before I'm allowed to play video games? Exactly. Like if that's our approach to Lent, we're doing Lent. We're wrong. doing Lent wrong. Yep. Yep. It's we're trying to, to be transformative. Lent. We'll try and do it better. We're trying to trying to help you out. Trying to help ourselves out on some of this stuff. Oh yeah. Another For full sure. hour coming up. It's three till. We continue on this Wednesday, the 28th of February, praying a prayer of St. Charles Borromeo in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, you have generously made known to man the mysteries of your life through Jesus Christ, your Son and the Holy Spirit. Enlighten my mind to know these mysteries which your church teaches and treasures. Move my heart to love them and my will to live in accord with them. Give me the ability to teach this faith to others without pride without ostentation, and without personal gain. Let me realize that I am simply your instrument for bringing others to the knowledge of the wonderful things you have done for all your creatures. Help me to be faithful to this task that you have entrusted to me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday, as I said last hour. It'd be a better way to end the month of February, except we got one more day, because we are in a leaping year. So, uh, we get bonus time. It's like uh, like free baseball and extra innings. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. You can watch us on Facebook and YouTube on our channels that are easily accessible in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. 
Com. Very interested in a discussion we've got lined up for Father Philip Michael Tangora right after the news. He's going to discuss a decline in Catholic marriages. You know, I don't think about divorce as much as I used to, but also nobody I know is getting married anymore. So there's some correlations and some things that Father Phil is going to dig into there. Uh, we will look at a quote from St. Irenaeus with Father Boniface Hicks in our ongoing discussion of what the Church Fathers had to say about prayer. Father Augustine Weta, speaking of the early Church, will have more Decision-making wisdom from the Desert Fathers. That's two Benedictine monks on this hour. Wow. And then King Craycraft has some thoughts in what I am seeing people just misunderstand left, right, and center, and that is this question of in vitro fertilization and the law. Seems like there is not one single public figure who understands any of this. So Ken Craycraft will be here to at least help us understand it and understand what the church teaches. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Donald Trump easily defeated his main rival, Nikki Haley, in Michigan's Republican primary yesterday after winning in her home state of South Carolina last weekend. Trump has essentially secured the GOP nomination at this point, but Haley has vowed to stay in the race, arguing both Trump and President Biden are unpopular amongst Americans. President Biden, meanwhile, won the Democratic primary in Michigan, but a significant number of voters yesterday casted an uncommitted ballot to protest his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Pope Francis has revealed his monthly prayer intention for March. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In a new release of the Pope video, Pope Francis requests prayers for the new martyrs of our day so that they might imbue the church with their courage and missionary drive. Introducing his prayer intention for the month of March, Pope Francis decides to share with us a story which he says is a reflection of the church today and one that is the story of a little-known witness of faith. He recalls the story of a widowed man when he visited a refugee camp in Lesbos. The man, a Muslim, recounted the harrowing story of how his wife, who was Christian, was asked by terrorists to throw a crucifix to the ground. She didn't do it, and they slit her throat in front of me, the man told the Pope. Pope Francis notes that this man held no grudges and was instead focused on his wife's example of love, a love for Christ that led her to accept and to be faithful to the point of death. The Holy Father emphasizes that there will always be martyrs among us and that this is a sign that we are on the right path, as the courage and the witness of martyrs is a blessing for everyone. In fact, the Pope continues, I have been told that there are more martyrs today than at the beginning of Christianity. Thus, Pope Francis invites all the faithful to pray for those who risk their lives for the gospel all over the world, that they might imbue the church with their courage and missionary drive and be open to the grace of martyrdom. In its press release accompanying this month's prayer intention, the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network notes that in 2023 alone, aid to the church in need received reports in 40 countries of people who were assassinated or sequestered because of their faith. Nigeria has become the country with the highest number of assassinations. In Pakistan, in the Diocese of Faisalabad, the churches and homes of the Christians in Jaranwala were attacked. And in Burkina Faso, Catholics in Debe were expelled from their village solely because of their faith. I'm Francesca Merlo. Tornado warnings are going out across much of the Midwest. Millions in the Chicago area were under warnings last night as severe storms pounded that region. Tornado warnings were also issued in southwest Michigan, where the National Weather Service was reporting 60-mile-per-hour winds and quarter-sized hail. 
Texas Governor Greg Abbott is issuing a disaster declaration due to ongoing wildfires in the state's panhandle. As of yesterday evening, the Smokehouse Creek Fire covered more than 250,000 acres and was 0% contained. The state is also battling a trio of other blazes with evacuation orders having been given in several counties. Bishops along the southern border are throwing their support behind Annunciation House, a Catholic organization that serves migrants, after the Texas Attorney General announced he was suing to shut it down for, quote, facilitating illegal entry to the United States, alien harboring, human smuggling, and operating a stash house, end quote. Bishop Mark Seitz of El Paso released a statement saying, quote, we will not be intimidated in our work to serve Jesus Christ in our sisters and brothers fleeing danger and seeking to keep their families together. House Republicans want documents related to the special counsel's investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents. More from Mark Mayfield. Republicans leading the impeachment inquiry into Biden issued a subpoena to the DOJ for documents, transcripts, and audio recordings from the investigation. The subpoena for materials comes as special counsel Robert Hur is expected to testify before the House Judiciary Committee next month. Hur declined to charge Biden with a crime but made headlines when he characterized Biden as an elderly man with a poor memory. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Flacco the Eurasian Eagle Owl, who became a celebrity bird in New York City after he was released from captivity from the Central Park Zoo, has become just one of a billion birds that dies from striking a building in the United States. However, New York City is making an effort to decrease those numbers. According to the New York Times in 2019, New York City passed legislation requiring builders to use bird-friendly material in all new construction and large renovations. The city also requires city-owned and managed buildings to shut off all non-essential outdoor lights at night during peak migration months. In addition, on Monday, a bill was renamed the Flacco Act for Feathered Lives Also Count, which would require more buildings in New York State to use bird-friendly material. Okay, so wait, well, read that first line of the story for me again. Flacco... The Eurasian Eagle Owl. Who Flacco had, the Eurasian Eagle Owl. Yeah, I had to look Not him to up. be confused with Flacco, the New Jersey Raven Bronco Jet Eagle Brown. Right. Well, this Flacco only has one C in his name. Oh. Oh, see, now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You thought I was going to be talking about Joe People Flacco. forget Flacco was an eagle for like five minutes. Like the Joe Flacco. Oh, interesting. That's a good point. He was actually two different kinds of birds. Yeah. If he was a raven and an eagle. Anyway, have you ever been to... He's also a horse in an airplane. Um, the, and whatever like, a brown is. Okay. I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> I was going to talk about the bird windows. I didn't. I should have known you were going to bring up Joe Flacco. And now what did you think was going to happen? I wanted to talk about the dots that they put on the, the glass at like zoos and stuff so that birds don't run into them. Ladies but and now gentlemen, we've run out of time. The Sunrise Morning Show brings you news, weather, sports, and more. And this is what we mean by sports. Well, I would just like it to be on record that that I didn't want to talk about sports in relation to bird-friendly. Oh, Flacco. Joe Flacco is from Audubon, New Jersey. What do you know? He was born in a town actually called Audubon. Journey out. I'm out. You're out. (laughs) 
Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Father, good morning. Good morning, and I guess we can say that the problem that we're going to address is the fact that birds of a feather flock together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I didn't even realize what a great segue this would be for our conversation today, Father. Yes. Okay. So for listeners who are really confused right now, there was a uh, a piece that came out in, in Catholic World Report this week about one factor among many that could be contributing to the rate of Catholic marriages, which has just plummeted um, in about the past half century or so. Do you have those stats in front of you by any chance? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So I'm <laughs> going to, let me pull up the article here. It said Catholic weddings per year. This is according to the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate. So Cara, Cara, um, plummeted yeah. 69%, 69% between 1970 and 2021. And, you know, it's so funny, Father, because I hadn't really thought about things this way. Um, you know, I think about all of the good Catholic single people who I know that just haven't Mm -hmm. been able to find a spouse for this or that reason. And I had never really thought about them as being part of the plummeting marriage rate in the church. But it's true. There are a lot of people not getting married for a a host of reasons. Yes. And the we're focusing in on one, which is this tribalism that the article calls it. Where, for instance, if you're traditional or you're charismatic Catholic, you are seeking a spouse who would also be traditional or charismatic Catholic uh, or whatever your kind of ecclesiology is. And this kind of tribalism leads to obviously an even narrower amount of people to draw from. Mm -hmm. as a possible spouse. And this is one of the contributing factors because people are seeking likes. So they are birds of a feather that stick together Mm -hmm. instead of uh, opposites attract. You know, what's so horrible uh, if someone who say is more charismatic Catholic and someone who's more traditional uh, actually dates Mm-hmm. Why not, you know, broaden uh, your your horizons a little bit and realize that if the person is Catholic and practicing Catholic and actually believing in what our faith teaches, maybe then that's the, you know, the more general uh, reality that you need to look for. Uh, and not specifically, oh, well, they have to be traditionalist. They have to only want to go to the traditional Latin mass or no, they have to be charismatic or they have to just be, you know, your normative Catholic experience, you know, anywhere Catholic USA. You know, I mean, it's it, it becomes a very limiting reality. And, you know, I personally have often said that it's great when a Catholic marries a non-Catholic because then we wind up with another Catholic. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's such a good point. Um, Father, I think there's a, a deeper issue here, and that is the polarization 
of Mm -hmm. the church in general, um, we need to remember that we are all part of one body, no matter what our liturgical sensibilities are. Exactly. And that's that's why, uh, unfortunately, with, again, an attitude of suppression, say, of the traditional Latin mass, uh, it becomes, you know, again, like people live thinking that they're in the catacombs Mm -hmm. and and that catacomb mentality leads to that kind of polarization, Uh, you know, and, and that's that's not helpful. Yeah. It's not helpful where when things are just normative, the traditional Latin mass, when it was just normative uh, in in, rea- in the in the Catholic Church, it kind of took away from some of that tribalism and these types of polarizations, no matter how you want to look at it, uh, are, are just not helpful. They're not helpful. And we need to. Uh, have everybody who's Catholic just be like, hey, great, you're Catholic. Oh, you go to the Latin Mass? That's great. Oh, you go to a more charismatic Mass? That's great. Oh, you go to like just, you know, normative experience of a Catholic parish anywhere USA? Great. The fact that you're living the Catholic faith Mm -hmm. is wonderful in 2024. And we should just be rejoicing in the fact that the person's Catholic. Yeah. I mean, this is something that... And and admittedly, I run in more traditionalist kind of circles, but, uh, you know, in my own my own personal life. But I have to check myself and I want to encourage others to to check themselves, because I would I think that that those listening to EWTN in general, kind of fall into a more orthodox slash traditional uh, camp that we need to remember that we are not above the church and the church allows for the Novus Ordo Mass. The church allows for the charismatic movement. The church allows for a lot of shall we say, leeway outside of the rubrics of the TLM, and we need to check our attitudes about it. Exactly. You can't be holier than the church. You cannot be holier than the church. And if the church is allowing something, then it's saying that it is good, holy, true, and just. And we have to embrace all these forms of beauty. And we need to allow for people to express themselves and maybe just maybe if you open yourself up to uh other uh ways of praying and whatnot your own prayer life will be greatly developed Mm -hmm. and your own experience of jesus christ will be uh broadened and and deepened and if we allow for different things that are good holy true and just then we should be fine yeah Absolutely. We can't be in echo chambers, especially single people looking for a spouse. You don't want to start in the echo chamber necessarily. So uh, there's a great piece over at Catholic World Report that you can check out and you can find Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Yes. Buy my book and married couples make babies. Absolutely. We're all about it. Thank you so much, Father. We'll talk to you next time.
Bye-bye. All right, it's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Did you give up coffee or caffeine for Lent? Be sure to check out the tea and decaf offerings from the Mystic Monks of Wyoming. Find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. When you make a purchase after clicking our link, we earn a commission to help support the show. The monks also have their seasonal favorite Pasca Java available for you to buy now in anticipation of your Easter Sunday feast. And why not add a Sunrise Morning Show mug to include in the Easter basket? Find those mugs and a Mystic Monk Coffee link at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I pray that EWTN News in Depth will help the everyday life of everyday Catholics by bringing them the news that matters to them and helping them to have the information at their fingertips for whatever it is that they need to be able to engage with the world confidently with their faith. EWTN News in Depth with Monse Alvarado, Friday night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Television and Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump has easily defeated his main rival, Nikki Haley, in, la- in yesterday's Michigan Republican primary. Pope Francis has revealed his monthly prayer intention for March, which is for today's martyrs. And bishops along the southern border are throwing their support behind Annunciation House after the Texas Attorney General announced he is trying to shut it down. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Anna Mitchell, I just want to put it out there. Uh, you know, we did cover a little sports. We haven't said much about baseball. We're still in spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I maintain and I will continue to maintain that baseball is the most Catholic of the sports. Because in baseball, you have people, players with last names like Bautista, aka the Baptist, mm-hmm. Concepcion, after the Immaculate Conception, De La Cruz. Incarnacion after the incarnation. Iglesias. Iglesia, of course, meaning church. Monasterio. There's even a couple of Rosarios out there. And even a guy who played for the D-backs last year, whose first name was Lourdes. Ooh, that's awesome. Lourdes Goriel Jr. Yeah. I mean, Baseball I'm... is the Catholic sport. Just I love a reminder. it. Just a the reminder, everyone, alone. in case you away. were wondering. It's, it's 21 past. You subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Sacred Heartbeat. One of the titles given to the Sacred Heart of Jesus is Burning Furnace of Charity. Who can purify the human heart? Who can change our selfish love into a selfless love? The answer to both these questions is Jesus Christ. Christ's love for all people is intense and passionate. He desires to purify our hearts of all those things that prevent us from truly receiving God's grace. The mystics have described the heart of Jesus as a burning furnace which destroys sin. God puts nothing in the path of his love for us, but we put many things in the way of our love for God. By giving our hearts and souls and minds and bodies over to the Lord, we're asking him to remake us over into his image, not ours. Let us not be afraid to enter into the furnace of God's love. It's the only way that we will ever know Christ better. Heart of Jesus, burning furnace of charity, pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of, among other things, A Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Yeah, I want to share this thought from St. Ignatius of Antioch. In the back of your book, you have all these quotes attributed to various saints about prayer, and uh, I would love for you to unpack this one a little bit, because it's just so vivid. Um, And this one, St. Ignatius says, My dear Jesus, my Savior, is so deeply written in my heart that I feel confident that if if my heart would be cut open and chopped to pieces, the name of Jesus would be found written on every piece. Uh, That's pretty intense. (laughs) St. Ignatius of Antioch was a pretty intense guy. (laughs) Just a little. uh, That comes through in in all of his writing. He's the the one that was ready to be uh, chewed into fine wheat that could be baked into the, the bread that would become the Eucharist as well. When he was on his way to Rome to the Colosseum to be eaten by lions, he's a He's remarkable. Yeah, yeah I, I really love it's really uh, one of my one of my favorite quotes that uh, it, it, because it's illustrating how how deeply sometimes you know it seems like Christianity is just sort of layered on top of everything else. You know, I'm a whatever a, an American. I'm a man. I'm a you know belong to this club. I have these degrees. I'm all these things, and I'm a Christian. You know, and it's kind of like layered on top and. It just seems as if you slice the top off, then the Christianity goes with it. But Ignatius of Antioch is really describing what happens when we become truly Christian, that every you can, you can cut us any which way, and everywhere it, we, we bleed Christian. Everywhere we find the name of Jesus. Everywhere Christ is, is all through us. It's not something that's added on. It's not something accidental that can be removed, but it is really part of the the substance of who we are, like a, like a marble cake rather than like a layer cake. Mm. It's, uh, it's all through us. I had a history professor, uh, believe it or not, 
who made this point about how uh, the medieval mind operated and uh, sort of like a medieval cosmology that the world was shot through with God, uh, right? That, that, mm -hmm. that every leaf was glowing with the presence of God, every blade of grass, you know, every wind was, you know, stocked with the breath of God. And in the postmodern enlightened world, there's like the world is like this ice cream cone and you put a little bit of like religious sprinkles on top of it, <laughs> you know, and that's yep, kind of, yep. you know, this add on at the end. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, there's a number of reasons that, that, that I think we've gotten to where we've gotten on this question. But, you know, I, I just find it so weird that, you know, you'll hear people, you know, who are famous for other things like an athlete and then they'll get out you know at the end of a game and just say i just want to give glory to god for you know bringing me to where i am today and they're like yeah well that's extra right i mean that's something extra right. off to the side you know this doesn't actually mean anything to this this game when in fact to that athlete that's like the whole reason that they're there <laughs> right but it gets treated like sprinkles yeah that's right yeah it's uh and I don't know, I suppose for, for some of them, it could be something like that. You know, uh, I do it all on my own. And then at the end of the day, I say, thanks be to God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to really know that God is in every play, that God is in every tackle, that God is in every throw, that God is in, you know, uh, every every interaction. And because uh, otherwise, uh, again, that's we we sort of cheat our way to the finish and then we say glory to God. Uh, but if he is in everything, then we can't ever leave him behind. And I really love uh, when they were beginning the Synod for the New Evangelization, Pope Benedict gave a, a little lexio on the mid-morning mid hymn uh, as they prayed mid-morning prayer together as, as Synod Fathers. But he just talked about how the, for the Christian, uh, the, the Christian cannot well, for, for the Christian, the name of Jesus becomes more important than breathing, that Christ is more essential to us than our breath. We have a sense of, of uh, breath, oxygen, going all through us. Jesus goes through us even more. And to, to be told, all you have to do, that's like the movie Silence, you know, it's like all you have to do is just renounce Jesus, you know, just step on this thing, just leave that thing behind. You can keep living and then you could take it up later. And it's like, no, not, no more than I could just stop breathing for three days and then just start breathing later. I can't give up the name of Jesus for any moment of my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a powerful thought, too. I mean, uh, here we are in Lent, right? And this is an opportunity to reevaluate that uh, and, and whether we're doing that, right? Yeah, that's right. Is, is, are these Lenten practices just uh, kind of layered on top, you know, just little extra sprinkles, like you said, on the ice cream cone? Or, or do they really run all through us? Is it, is it an expression of the very depths of us that is the name of Jesus, which is written on, on every individual piece of my heart? And, and the reality is, as I integrate these practices that really become, uh, that, that are so integral to my life, then, uh, then the name of Jesus, you know, you don't just suddenly get from nothing to Jesus is every uh, on every cell in my body. That's a steady process of integration over time, and it's through things like Lenten penances that that, that happens. Yeah, well, this is a great way for us to kind of get into perspective on how are we treating prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? Are they just something added on, <laughs> you know, or are they really getting down into us and making us, uh, you know, have 
the name of Jesus be uh, like breathing, like more important than breathing to us. Father Boniface Hicks, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I mean, just for the compilation of quotes from the saints at the end of the book, it's worth taking a look at. Father, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you too, Matt. Again, if you find uh, Father Boniface Hicks at sunrisemorningshow.com, don't stop there. Click around. There are all the great guests we talk to on a daily basis. Some of the prayers we use to start the hours uh, are in there as well. You've also got a recipe, a meatless Lenten recipe from Rita Heikenfeld that will get delivered to your inbox tomorrow morning if you just head on over there and hit the subscribe button at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Donald Trump easily defeated his main rival, Nikki Haley, in Michigan's Republican primary yesterday. He won in her home state of South Carolina last weekend. Trump has essentially secured the GOP nomination at this point, but Haley has vowed to stay in the race, arguing that both Trump and President Biden are unpopular among most Americans. President Biden, for his part, won the Michigan Democratic primary, but a significant number of voters cast an uncommitted ballot to protest his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Pope Francis has revealed his monthly prayer intention for March. Throughout the month, the Pope is inviting the faithful to pray for the martyrs of our day, those who risk their lives for the gospel. He says there will always be martyrs among us, adding that he's been told there are more martyrs today than there were at the beginning of Christianity. We are still in the month of February for another day, and his prayer intention for February is centered on the terminally ill and their families. The U.S. bishops are reiterating their support for faith-based ministries at the southern border as the Texas Attorney General seeks to shut one down. Bishop Kevin Rhodes, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, released a statement saying, quote, as the tragic situation along our border with Mexico increasingly poses challenges for American communities and vulnerable persons alike, we must especially preserve the freedom of Catholics and other people of faith to assist their communities and meet migrants' basic human needs, end quote. The bishops of Ireland are expressing concern over a proposed constitutional amendment on the family, which defines family as founded on marriage to include, quote, other durable relationships. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a statement released on Monday, the Irish bishops expressed their concerns over the proposed constitutional amendments, lamenting in particular that they would have the effect of abolishing all reference to motherhood in the Constitution. Regarding the First Amendment on the family, the Bishops' Conference remarked that the proposed new text diminishes the unique importance of the relationship between marriage and family in the eyes of society and state and is likely to lead to the weakening of the incentive for young people to marry. While marriage entails a public and legal commitment, they said, the term durable relationship is shrouded in legal uncertainty and is open to wide interpretation. With regards to the CARE amendment, the statement noted that the Irish Constitution already recognises and seeks to facilitate the choice of mothers who wish to care for the needs of the family and the home. Contrary to some recent commentary, they said, the Constitution emphatically does not 
not state that a woman's place is in the home, neither does it excuse men of their duties to the home and family. According to the Irish bishops, the proposed amendment would leave unacknowledged the particular and incalculable societal contribution that mothers in the home have made and continue to make in Ireland. Concluding, the statement therefore reiterated that the role of mothers should continue to be cherished by the Irish Constitution. I am Lisa Zengarini. Tornado warnings are going out across much of the Midwest. Millions in the Chicago area were under tornado warnings last night as severe storms pounded the region. Tornado warnings were also issued in southwest Michigan, where the National Weather Service was reporting 60-mile-per-hour winds and quarter-sized hail. More than 380,000 Toyota Tacoma trucks in the U.S. are being recalled due to an increased risk of crashing. Brian Shook reports. Toyota announced the recall on Tuesday saying welding debris left on the rear axle assembly can cause retaining nuts to loosen and fall off. This could cause a part to separate from the axle, impacting the vehicle's stability and how it breaks. The recall includes certain 2022 and 2023 Toyota Tacoma trucks. I'm Brian Shook. The U.S. Army is cutting 24,000 jobs. A new Army document says the jobs are being cut as the Pentagon shifts away from the war against terrorism and instead focuses on countering Chinese and Russian forces. The job cuts will reduce the number of soldiers from an estimated 494,000 to 470,000. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. During this season of Lent, may we suggest giving up the coffee shop and making your coffee at home? You could practice this little penance while giving a few alms by purchasing Mystic Monk Coffee. You'll support both the monks and the show because we earn a commission when you go to them through our link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Also at our site, get yourself a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can find in our online store. Grab a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Some figures in the Bible remain a mystery to us. Such a figure is Elihu from the book of Job. He suddenly speaks up after all others have chosen to remain silent. Some wonder if he makes any real contribution to the book of Job at all. On the other hand, he may make a real contribution to Job's story and bring Job around. After all, it's after Elihu's address to Job that God appears to Job. The rabbis seem to have had a very high opinion of Elihu. At one point in his address to Job, Elihu announces that his knowledge is a gift from God. The rabbis held the opinion that if Elihu said this on his own, he was worthy of praise. They also said that if Elihu said this through the Spirit of God, he was worthy of the highest praise. Once again, Perhaps the literature wants us to ponder this character of Elihu. And we can ask ourselves, what are we doing for God that makes us worthy of praise? For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear.
The Sunrise Morning Show continues on what would have been the last day of February in any other year, or in three out of four of previous years. Tomorrow is our leap day, so happy almost end of February here on Wednesday the 28th. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustin Weta. He is the author of a couple of books, including Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. It is loaded with great stories from old monks, and we've been going through some of those and finding the practical wisdom in them. Father Augustine, good morning. Good morning, and happy uh, Feast of St. Gabriel Pocenti. Yes, St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, who my wife actually wrote about in her book, Ablaze, Stories of uh, Daring Teenage Saints. So oh, yeah, I, actually, yeah. I actually know about him. He's got a wild story and one well worth uh, looking into. Yeah, sharpshooter. Uh, yeah, and uh, one who went through a lot of uh, personal difficulty as well. Uh, right. Speaking of personal difficulty, I want to look at this story today uh, with Father Pomen. Uh, a brother talks about the devil attacking him, uh, and uh, and there's some interesting advice in here. Uh, yeah. I wonder if you could share this story with us. Yeah, I find this one personally helpful. Uh, a brother said to Abbot Pomen, the devil is attacking me, and I am very discouraged. The old man replied, well, the devil only attacks his enemies. Be discouraged when he stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you're yeah. no longer a threat, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you can you can tell you're doing the right thing because uh, then the temptations multiply, right? Well, it, you can, but you still need discernment in the midst of this. And this is one of the things I really wanted to get your thought on because uh, I remember being in an evangelical uh, liberal arts college, a pretty small one. And there was always kind of this debate. If something bad happens to you when you're trying to do something, is it because God is closing a door uh, because it's not uh, what you're supposed to be doing? Or is it because the devil's attacking you because it is what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, a tough one. Yeah, that's a he kind of can't lose, can he? Uh, it's, it's, it's almost unfair that God just doesn't, you know, you, we can't blame God for anything. But... Yeah. The, but the psalmist seems to get that straight. He, he's often telling God his disappointments. Um, but I think this is where, and, I, you know, being a Benedictine, I kind of have to uh, every now and then bite my lip and listen to a Jesuit. But uh, St. Ignatius Loyola talks about the difference between consolations and desolations and how... Um, that consolations feel good in the long run, but and they're from God, and they take work to appreciate. Whereas desolate, whereas a a consolation from the devil feels good in the short run, and is really easy, and that that helps somewhat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get consolations from a bag of peanut M and M's all the time, but I know that's not the real <laughs> thing, right? Uh, it's exactly. quick and easy, and I crash later from the sugar. <laughs> but That's I want right. to I, I ask you a question about the last line of, of this section in your book, which I wish we had an hour and a half to unpack, but we only got like yeah. two minutes. And that is where you say, uh, after reflecting on Christ on the cross, you say, like suffering, failure can be transfigured, enriched, and elevated in the light of the cross, which was, in its unique way, the fusion of humanity's greatest failure with his greatest victory. So don't despair. Yeah. Even and this is what really got me. Even the wrong decision can be transformed by God 
to help save the world. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, if we, re- if we unite our lives with Christ's life, then our own vocation sort of shifts. And, and, and I'm actually convinced that some, that in, for, no, for all of us, our vocation at some point or another is to fail. <laughs> because failure is a form of suffering, and suffering, when it's united, you know, there's that brilliant and confusing passage from St. Paul where he talks about how we make up with our suffering what is lacking in the suffering of Christ, that somehow, mysteriously, our own failures become transfigured in the light of the cross. And and so, just as it was Christ's vocation to die on the cross, so it could be our vocation to fail every now and then and help Him save the world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean... This is, uh, what does it say in the Mass? Uh, you even fashioned a remedy out of death itself that the cause of, the down, cause of our downfall might become the means of our reconciliation. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't do a lot of judo, but I know how it works. Someone yeah. punches you, and you grab their hand and use their momentum against them, <laughs> right? You use the that's attack right. itself to defeat the enemy, and that's essentially what Christ does on the cross. Yeah, and, you know, here in St. Louis, we have the Shrine of St. Philippine Duchenne, who is one of the great historical failures of all time. She she wanted to convert the Native Americans and only converted one who apostatized after she died. So the poor thing worked her whole life to, to not save anyone. But then a hundred years later, when the Jesuits again came, showed up to do the job right, the Native Americans remembered her. They called her. They said, "Oh yeah, that we remember her. That, that we call her the woman who prayed." <laughs> mm. and, and then, of course, they all converted. Um, but we may not see our successes in this life. It's um, and we may not see our fail our failures for the successes that they really are. Yeah, it is something to powerfully reflect upon in this season where we're trying to clarify everything spiritually through Lent heading into Easter. The book is called Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. If you haven't picked up a copy, it's full of just these awesome old monk stories that are full. I mean, the the monk stories themselves are like two sentences long, (laughs) but they're jam-packed with wisdom. Father, if our listeners want to get a copy, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, I think the best way is to go onto Ignatius' website. But if you can't do that, Amazon will work, or Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore will order one. It's pretty much everywhere at this point. So, <laughs> It's great stuff. Thanks Father be Augustin Weta, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Have a great Lent. And happy Feast of Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. We should talk about him more as the morning continues. It's 16 till. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. 
double. MetaShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday Visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And lots of people talking about the ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court over frozen embryos conceived through in vitro fertilization. So first of all, talk about the case um, and how this whole issue arose and, and what were the issues at stake in this case? Yeah, that's that's an important place to start, Annie, because there's a lot of misinformation about exactly what happened in this case. First of all, the, the court, uh, this is not a criminal case. That's the first and most important thing. Mm-hmm. The court say that uh, killing frozen embryos is murder or, and, and in fact, there's no, there's no criminal aspect to this case at all. It's a civil case. Alabama has a, uh, Alabama has a law called the uh, Wrongful Death of a Minor Act. Uh, under that act, there, the uh, an unborn child, a fetus, is considered to be a child under under that act. The act doesn't say anything about fetuses, however. So what happened in this case is that uh, a, a three couples who had uh, fro- who had frozen embryos after uh, an IVF treatment, and we'll talk later on about that, uh, had uh, sued another person, actually another uh, patient or another client of that clinic which had dropped the uh, container containing those frozen embryos and had destroyed them. And so the the three couples brought a lawsuit against the the person who dropped the embryos for the wrongful death of the fetus. But again, it was a civil lawsuit, not a criminal one. It didn't involve the state of Alabama at all. Two lower courts dismissed the case saying that the embryos were not human beings and therefore did not fall under the wrongful death to a minor act. The Alabama Supreme Court reversed 
and said that under the act in Alabama, which doesn't specify uh, 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 embryos outside the womb, but it also doesn't exclude them, these frozen embryos are children under the act, human beings under the act, and therefore the couples could bring the action. Now, once again, I want to further clarify the case because the court did not say that the couples who sued for the wrongful death of the fetus won the case. They only said that they can go back to the trial court to try to prove that the that they have uh, that there was a negligence uh, by the couple by the person who dropped it, destroying the feed, the destroying the uh, the embryos. So the couple who sued didn't even win the case yet. They only they only won the right to go back to court wow. to try to prove their case, which they may or may not do. However, it is important enough to understand that the Alabama Supreme Court has said under the Alabama statute that the embryos are human beings for the purpose of bringing a wrongful death act. Um, it did not say that a couple could be uh, could be criminally prosecuted for destroying them. And as a matter of fact, the odd thing about this case, as in many cases like uh, this involving frozen embryos, the couples who brought the lawsuit had actually signed an agreement that said if the frozen embryos were not used after five years, the clinic itself could destroy them. Hmm. Now, that puts those contracts under scrutiny because if it's the case that these are human beings, then an Alabama Supreme Court <laughs> could also say contracts which allow for the destruction of frozen embryos voluntarily uh, is against public policy and therefore cannot be allowed. Wow. So the, the, legal, the legal issues are very narrow and it only applies to Alabama under this statute. So it doesn't apply to any other state at this point. It doesn't even apply to Alabama's criminal statute. It is an important case, but we have to understand that at least on this level, it's a relatively narrow one. Okay, but tell us, Ken, um, from a Catholic perspective, are these children who were destroyed in that, I, I think it's so amazing, they're called cryogenic nurseries. Yeah, I like that term. Yeah. Yes, yes. By all means, they are. There isn't any question whatsoever that by the standards of Catholic moral doctrine, uh, they are children. They are separate human beings with their own DNA structures created by the, uh, in, in, as any other human being is. The fact that they were created uh, outside of the, the womb doesn't change the fact that they are human beings. And so from the Catholic's perspective, they are human beings. And as a matter of fact, you know, one of the reasons that Catholic moral theology rejects IVF, among others, uh, obviously the, the, the most important one is that separates the conjugal act or the reproductive act from marriage, is precisely because it does involve the destruction of embryos in almost every case. So from our standpoint and from the standpoint of Catholic moral theology, they certainly are human beings, and this is a case that should be applauded. But on the other hand, we have to be very cautious about our applause of the case because, as I said, it's, it's somewhat narrow, and it doesn't necessarily say that in vitro fertilization will even end in Alabama. As a matter of fact, the court, uh, in, in a concurring opinion, provided for two different things. First of all, it's, it provided for a way that other states could enact legislation that would be similar to Alabama's that would also protect frozen embryos. But it also said that it's not going to weigh in on the, the wisdom of, of its decision. It, it actually said that, you know, we, we, aren't, we aren't confident that this is the, the right public policy. 
what we are confident about is that we're reading the statute correctly and it invited the legislature to make any kinds of changes if the legislature wants mm -hmm. to about the status of frozen embryos and the liability for keeping them alive. But yes, from the standpoint of Catholic moral theology, these are human beings and they're, they should be afforded the same protection as any other human being uh, in a similar situation. Wow. I mean, that, that makes it very sticky, though, doesn't it, from a legal standpoint here in the United States, the way that the way that we would handle this? Yes, it absolutely does. And that's why, even though I said the case is a narrow one in terms of the uh, Alabama statute, it has very broad implications, and every state is sitting up and taking notice. Now, states that already provide for very liberalized access to abortion are not all that concerned about it. But, but the several states since uh, the Dobbs decision, which have uh, uh, regulated abortion or even outlawed abortion in almost every case, are looking at the Alabama case to see how they might refashion their own statutes in order to comprehend this, which, of course, is going to have a chilling effect on IVF. And let me tell you, Annie, even if it would have a chilling effect on IVF, that would be a good thing, because in almost every case in IVF, uh, embryos will be destroyed. As I said earlier, even this Scraped couple had trash. agreed that the, the embryos could be destroyed, exactly, uh, could be destroyed if they weren't used. And that is always the case, because what happens is, is a woman is given a drug called Clomid, which stimulates follicle production, which stimulates ovary, uh, the ovaries, which uh, makes uh, more eggs to fertilize, because the, rate, the success rate of in vitro fertilization is so very, very low. And so they have uh, extra eggs to fertilize, to implant, if the first or second or third implantation doesn't work. Once it does work and the couple doesn't want any more children, those are destroyed. Pro-life states are not gonna look at this case and say, what kind of statutes can we enact that will protect those lives and therefore not so much prosecute women for destroying them or couples for destroying them, but discouraging IVF in the first place. Discouraging IVF would be a good public policy yes. step. Now, Annie, it's very important at this point to say that that we, ha we can't ignore the plight of infertile couples, and the cross of infertility is a very serious one. And we Catholics have a grave moral responsibility to accompany couples who are infertile and also to encourage ways that infertility can be overcome through licit means rather than these kinds of means, yeah. uh, which, of course, includes uh, adoption. And adoption, you know, adoption is extremely expensive in the United States. Good public policy would make it less expensive by subsidies and other kinds of alleviating, uh, alleviating the expense of adoption. Mm -hmm. So we can't forget the cross of infertility, and we have to have compassion for people who are uh, who are infertile and want to have children. But IVF is not the way. In this case, could actually have a positive public policy implication in discouraging IVF in other states, and therefore discouraging the destruction of frozen embryos. Well, thank you so much, Ken Craycraft. And um, there is a lot that we have to, you know, parse through with all of this. But of course, as you say, we need to be praying for those who struggle with it and for their doctors as well, um, that they give good and life-giving advice. Um it's so easy to think that something like in vitro fertilization is life-giving, and yet even my secular newswire yesterday talked about the destruction of many, many embryos that come as a result of, of in vitro fertilization. So much to be prayed about, and um, 
Yeah. As Matt likes to say, the news on the Sunrise Morning Show is uh, is a good prayer list on a daily basis to keep. So anyway, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow at EWTN. Another hour for our locals coming up and those of you listening on the Sunrise Morning Show app. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.